We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, welcome. This is another episode of the Music City Audible. Thank you for tuning in. I am Justin Graver, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Mello. Justin, how are you doing on this Monday evening? Don't tell anyone we recorded this on Monday. (laughs) Definitely don't tell anyone that it was Monday, but I'm doing well. We got a good episode in store for uh, for our listeners tonight. That's right. We had uh, Kareem Horsley, the business partner and longtime friend of Titans Left Guard, Roger Saffold, joined us because the two of those guys co-founded Rise Esports Organization, and we're going to talk a lot about that, about how they got into esports, and hopefully open a door, a new window to a world for our listeners of esports that you guys may not know about yet. So, lots of talk on esports, but before we get into that interview, let's cover some things that happened this week. And by this week, I of course mean Monday. Starting with the biggest news item, which is that Isaiah Wilson has been removed from the COVID-19 list, meaning that he, that means he tested negative because the only way to come off the list is to have two negative tests. So he tested negative back to back. He'll be good to return to what is strength and conditioning week this week at Titans practice. But perhaps more importantly, he signed his rookie contract and that's that. The Titans draft class is wrapped up. Throwing it to you. Yeah, great news on all fronts. You know, I think obviously expected news. Um, you know, no one feared that he wouldn't sign. Um, right. I do believe he's the last first round pick Again. Um, to sign his contract, which the Titans have a bit of an odd history with. It seems like it's always their first round pick that's last, right? I think Jeffrey Simmons may have been last. I think, I think Mariota the was, was last. Yeah, I think Corey Davis. I think, um, yeah, like it's, 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 <laughs> it's pretty it's, weird. <laughs> Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, John Robinson has no issue going last with this. But, I mean, again, no concern. It was obviously going to get done. The new CBA has pretty much left very little room for any sort of negotiations uh, when it comes to these rookie deals. So happy that it's finally done. And obviously great news that he's off the COVID list as well. Certainly something we expected to see soon. Um, but great news that he's healthy and that was he was able to produce um, two negative tests. So he was officially added back to the roster in that in that move, taking him off the list, which puts the Titans currently right at 80 uh, unless something happens between now and friday are they i think they're at well because if yeah, you think about it they signed Corey someone da- else Corey davis and jayon brown on the pup on the pup i think oh, that puts true. Them to 78 i guess the pup make, makes a little bit of difference there that's true okay if you're curious about isaiah wilson's contract details and the little details that are different from what's set in stone by the new cba Go check out Zach Lyon's recent article on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Of course, you can find all of our work on broadwaysportsmedia.com, and hopefully you know that already if you're listening to this podcast. I want to touch on some other little things that happened, which was the uh, just some of my observations from the press conferences. On Monday, the Titans rolled out Kevin Byard, followed by Harold Landry, followed by Taylor Lewan, followed by, lastly, Jonu Smith. And uh, these guys spoke to the media, they answered questions, and I just want to touch on some of the things that I thought were interesting threads through that most that these guys said multiple times that I heard from multiple players. And the biggest one to me, obviously COVID-19 is going to dominate the storylines for this entire NFL season, but especially as we return to training camp now. And it just seems like based on everything these players said, 
The Titans have a very solid plan. Obviously, we know their plan was approved by the NFLPA, but having this plan in action, all these guys reiterated this today. They feel safe, that they understand the risks that come along with playing with COVID this year. It was interesting, Lawan, Kevin Byer, Johnny Smith, I'm not sure if Harold Landry touched on this, but those other three guys all explicitly said that they never really considered opting out. They all talked about how they had conversations with family members about making the decision, but it was pretty clear that playing football was always going to be the most important thing to them. And I think that the Titans roster in general has a lot of those guys and whatever moral or political feelings you have about playing football this year with COVID-19 and masks and all that doesn't really matter. I think that what's something interesting to note about this Titans team is that they understand the severity of the risks and they also understand the value of staying healthy. And you could just hear it in Kevin Byard and Taylor Lewan, everything they were saying today, Johnny Smith too, that this team is trying hard to follow the protocols. And if anyone happens to get the virus, it won't be for lack of trying. So that puts a lot of confidence from me, from my standpoint, in this team's ability to be responsible. Taylor Lewan said, it's not about going out. And we heard about the Marlins having all those guys test positive because they all went out to a bar or something. And hopefully this is the message that's being relayed throughout the Titans locker room with their big dividers up between the lockers that we're not going out. This is about, a, this is business. Taylor Lewan said, this is a business and we're here to play football. So John o. Smith said, we know that we're going to be in close contact with each other and we all understand what's going on and we're trusting each other to not put each other in dangerous situations. So that was a big takeaway to me. Did you notice anything about the Titans and, and their preparedness with COVID? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that's a big thing that they said. I mean, I think I, I, I would hone in on that. We trust each other because I, I do believe and we've seen it that this is a tight knit group. This is a tight knit locker room. And um, for them to put their trust in one another, um, I personally don't expect anybody who's been in that locker room um, to break that trust. Right. I think these guys, um, uh, you know, really, really are leaning on one another. And, and it's fundamental in a year like this. If you're going to make a deep run this year, you're going to have to trust each other and you're going to have to stay healthy. And I don't think that message is lost on this group. And I think with this group having, you know, just coming off an AFC championship appearance, um, I, you know, I think they believe they can run this thing back. And, and I believe they're very motivated, um, you know, to reach that level again. And, and more so, I mean, everybody's motivated, of course, to try to reach that level. But it's different when you're coming, you know, you're coming off an appearance like that, where you truly believe that you can reach that level again. And I think that will be a driving force um, in, in how this team operates this year and how they, um, you know, try to keep each other safe from COVID-19. Like Kevin Byard said, you know, you can catch it, walk into the grocery store right now. So they, they really do believe in each other. And I really do believe that they did not really um, think about opting out. One thing that really landed for me during the press conference um, or, or the video conference calls with those four players that you didn't mention um, was how much they, they, they showed appreciation to Dennis Kelly um, for right. the role that he's taken in sort of being the player rep, so to speak, uh, in relation to um, the challenges that COVID-19 are presenting. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. They said he was a... Uh... Taylor Lewan said he would make a great dictator if if he was in a country that needed a dictator. I think he was definitely just joking around. But um, yeah, they definitely gave props to Dennis Kelly, who apparently is taking this very seriously and not concerned with being annoying or anything like that. Um, so good, good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, the second big thing I took away from this from these press conferences was how much they all stressed the importance of communication and particularly 
the leaders on the team, which I consider right now from this press conference to be Kevin Byard and Taylor Lewan. They both talked about how this season they see themselves as needing to take on more of a role of teaching the younger guys, or not necessarily teaching, but when it comes to Isaiah Wilson and Christian Fulton, Byard and Lawan both mentioned how they've been working with those guys to make sure they understand what their position coaches will expect of them, what the team will expect of them, how, what the off, what to do on offense, what to do on defense for each you know respective guy. And so it's really nice to see these guys, the younger guys who you see a lot of veteran leaders leave in the offseason, like Delaney Walker, Jarrell Casey, Logan Ryan, and the guys on offense recognize that void in leadership and they're stepping up to take on a new role and I think that that's gonna be great Kevin Byard actually said that's going to be my biggest responsibility this year making sure that we're all talking and speaking the same language the next thing I had here was uh just some of the praise they all showed or at least the defensive guys Harold Landry and Kevin Byard showered Shane Bowen in praise on on this press conference and obviously they're not going to say anything negative but Harold Landry had a long-winded very very elaborate and detailed compliment complimentary comments on Shane Bowen so I think that you know you can kind of find some more genuine you can kind of read that as more genuine the fact that he was able to go on for so long in so much detail and one of the things that they both touched on was how good Shane Bowen is at communicating with players and Harold Landry went into detail about how not every player needs the same type of coaching style and Shane's really good at identifying what works for each guy and how to coach them best and I just think that Bowen, you know, Variables already noted that Bowen is going to be the guy who is the voice in defensive meetings when Variable has other duties to attend to. So if that's the case, I think Bowen is is well suited to step into this role. I think the players really respect him. Any thoughts on Shane Bowen? Yeah, it's obvious that Mike Vrabel really likes Shane Bowen and trusts Shane Bowen. Um, I, I think we can sort of put to bed any questions on who the uh, you know de facto defensive coordinator is. Well, of course, Rabel is going to be the guy in charge. Uh, I do think Shane Bowen is clearly going to play a huge role on this defense for, from every from every angle. You know, from from a game planning perspective, uh, from a personnel perspective, um, and even from a um, a play calling perspective uh, in certain. Um, situations. So um, I, I think the team, the players really like Bowen from what I've gathered. And, um, you know, Mike, obviously, you know, Coach Rabel worked with him down in Houston. He's worked with him now in Tennessee for a number of years. And I think that, um, you know, he, he, it's really going to be a, a big year for Coach Bowen. I agree. I think this time next year, we're talking about defensive Titans defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen, and somebody else who has yet to be hired, who's at some college somewhere, who knows, or some NFL team somewhere, will be the outside linebackers coach. But this time next year, that's my prediction. Shane Bowen is the Titans official defensive coordinator. In my article recapping the press conferences today for Broadway Sports Media, I called Shane Bowen the Arthur Smith of the defense. Last year, Arthur Smith was this wonder kid who all the players had nothing but great things to say about how smart he was and how cool he was and how awesome he was as a coach. And obviously, that looking back now, that looks to have been a great decision to promote Arthur Smith. So we'll see how that carries on in year two. My final big takeaway is the high expectations that these guys have for themselves. And every single player touched on it. Harold Landry wants to lead the team in sacks. And Kevin Byard wants this secondary to be the best secondary in the league this year. Johnu Smith wants to not only fulfill Delaney Walker's role, he wants to surpass what Delaney Walker was for the Titans and not in a disrespectful way, but just that he says he doesn't want to set limitations on himself. And he, if he says that he's just going to go 
fill Delaney's shoes, then that's a limitation. And he is, has his goal set higher. He said he wants to be the best tight end in the league. And Taylor Lewan, of course, talked about the offense needing to not get off to a slow start this year, but carrying over the dominance that they had towards the end of the 2019 season. So these Titans players have high expectations for themselves. I have high expectations for them, especially players like Jonu Smith. I think Jonu is going to be the Titans breakout guy this year. He's been working down in with uh, Ryan Tannehill and Darrington Evans down in South Florida for most of the offseason, catching passes, getting on the same page. And I don't know, what what are your expectations for these guys this year? Because I think that not only do they have high expectations for themselves, but Titans fans and people who cover the team have high expectations for the team also. You obviously mentioned they went to the AFC Championship last year. Of course, everyone knows that. But I think that you sort of touched on this. There might be that extra motivation to not let the COVID-affected season screw up where they've where they've grown, what they've built, and where they're at now, and like kind of and you know one thing I really really appreciate as a fan of the team is Mike Vrabel's like insistence that we will handle whatever comes at us, we will adapt, and we will just do what we have to do to make it work. Whatever the rules are, whatever COVID causes, whatever injuries happen, whatever circumstances we are faced with as a team, we will overcome them. We'll we'll adapt and we'll overcome. You heard a lot of players talk about adapting today too. So your thoughts there on the expectations for for this team and their expectations for themselves. Yeah, I I think one of Rabel's best assets um, as the head coach of this team is he's unflappable. Uh, And I really think these players have bought in um, they, they, they love, they love Vrabel. I think there was no doubt that they love coach Vrabel. And I think, again, I think they're all locked in. I think they're ready for a big year. I, I do not see, you know, barring injury, of course, I don't see a fall off. You know, lots of people have been comparing this team to the Jacksonville team, right? That went to the AFC championship game and saying, what a surprise that was. And, and coming back, you know, big expectations. And obviously we know Jacksonville, um, fell flat on their face, but I, I can't see that happening with this team. And, and maybe we're biased, but I, I, not with the people that are in charge, right? Not with all the good people um, that are inside this organization. The Titans are almost the anti-Janks, right? We saw that thing completely fall apart, right, from, from within. Uh, you know, coaches, executives, it seems like, you know, players didn't like anybody there. And I, I just don't see that happening, right? I think these players love Mike Vrabel. I think they like Arthur Smith a lot, obviously, on offense. I think they like Shane Bowen on defense. Yeah, they're going to miss, uh, of course, you know, Dean Pease and, and even uh, and Coach Combs as well. But I think they, the organization has just surrounded itself with so many good people um, that the players have really bought into this. And I think they're all very anxious, like you said, to not let COVID ruin this season. And they just want to get right back to work. I think they're thrilled you know, that Ryan Tannehill got his deal. They're thrilled that Derrick Henry got his deal. And these players are just excited um, to run this thing back with a group uh, of guys that largely remains intact, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and offense is everything in today's NFL. Obviously, defense is important too, but isn't it crazy looking back on 2018, Mike Vrabel's first year as a head coach and his very first game as the head coach and that the longest game in NFL history, hurricane game in Miami happens and it's like, we, we all sat there and said, well, the good thing is, this is the worst, craziest, most challenging thing Mike Vrabel will have to go through as the head coach of the Titans. Well, we didn't see COVID-19 coming, now did we? Of course, every coach in the league has to go through this, but I do think it's funny, like Mike Vrabel, you mentioned him being unflappable. That's been a very necessary trait for him thus far as the Titans head coach, so it's nice to see that he can, you know, 
stay strong and resilient and adaptable in all these moments. It's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but when I said the word unflappable, I actually thought of the Miami game. And I thought to myself, damn, like Coach Frabel's been through a lot right? in a short period of time, right? Even a quarterback change, you know, in the Miami game, COVID, like, geez, he's, he's really, for his first head coaching job, you know, as a young coach, he's really had to, you know, really had to adapt. How about when um, Dean Pease had a heart issue yeah, and had Dean to leave had a condition. <laughs> In the middle of a game, right? And and that obviously that game didn't go well. And that so, game might right? might be a bad foreboding sign for how the season could look with no Dean Pease. Hopefully it's not at all. <laughs> uh, they, they certainly had a lot more time to prepare for his absence this time around uh, than they did when he, he had a medical condition in the first quarter of a game. Right. But um, uh, it's true. Like Vrabel's just been – he's dealt with so much in a short amount of time. Um, and he's done – as you said, he's done a great job adapting – and I have no doubt that uh, he's going to do a great job uh, with whatever challenges COVID-19 will bring this year. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we've covered that topic in d- great detail. And by that topic, I mean the things that happened on Monday. We're going to move on now to our interview after a short break. And I promise you guys this. If anything else big happens between now and Friday when this episode comes out, we will hop back on the mic and talk about it. But unless that happens, you're getting our Monday recording on Friday. And I hope that's okay. Here we go, bring it on. Just kidding, here I am back again on Thursday evening to do some updates. It's just me, Justin Graver. Mella will rejoin us in a moment for this interview with Kareem Horsley. But first, Jayon Brown came off PUP, physically unable to perform. That means he is physically able to perform now. He passed a physical, so he is literally physically able to perform and added back to the active roster. However, Corey Davis remains on PUP, and Paul Kaharski actually tweeted out on Thursday afternoon that Corey Davis is on PUP because of a toe surgery. So that lines up with what we heard earlier this offseason. Taylor Lewan said on Bussin' with the Boys that Corey Davis was dealing with turf toe a lot last season, especially towards the end of the year. So there you go. An offseason toe surgery lines up with the turf toe. And finally, last thing before this interview is uh, Vic Beasley. Where is he? We don't know. The opt-out deadline passed. Vic Beasley did not opt out. He did not report. The Titans only had one player opt out. That was undrafted rookie free agent Anthony McKinney, who opted out pretty early on. Justin Mello actually spoke to him about his decision to opt out. And you can read about their conversation on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Anyway, that's all I got. Vic Beasley didn't show up. He's up to $500,000 in fines. We got some good information today. Corey Curtis tweeted this out. Joel Corey, a former NFL agent who now writes for CBS Sports, he said the Titans could actually recoup some of the money that they would owe to Vic Beasley. So the uncertainty really with Vic Beasley's one-year, $9.5 million deal, $6 million of that being a signing bonus, was how much could the Titans get back if Beasley doesn't ever play, if he never shows up and they and they void his contract? Would they still owe him the full $6 million signing bonus? Well, they would definitely get $3.5 million back of the $9.5 million. And of the $6 million signing bonus the Titans could recoup up to 25%. So if he misses six days of training camp, now Friday, if he misses Friday, will actually be day 11. So on the sixth day of training camp, though, you can recoup 15% of the signing bonus. And then every day that you miss after that, you can recoup another percent up to 25%. So day 11 would be 20% if he doesn't show up on Friday. Again, recording this Thursday night. 
that would mean the Titans get $1 million back, or a little more, really, one-fifth of, of $6 million. So if he doesn't show up again for the next five days, then the Titans would get 25% back. If he doesn't show up, if he's not on the roster, he hasn't reported by the time week one kicks off, the Titans get another 25% back. So they could get up to $3 million back, plus the $3.5 million that's really the playing uh, the game salaries and other incentives, which they obviously wouldn't have to pay. Um, so that's interesting to note. I mean, it doesn't really affect the salary this year, but it, it would be nice to get that space that the team could roll over next year when things could be more compressed. I really don't think it affects Clowney, except to say that they are have a much bigger hole at edge if Vic Beasley never shows up. And I just want to say this about Vic Beasley because I don't really want to judge the guy without knowing anything about him and about no, without knowing his situation without knowing what's going on behind closed doors, but somebody is not handling this well, whether that's the Titans, who didn't get out in front of what was going to be an obvious media nightmare for Vic Beasley for not being at camp, or if they really haven't been in contact, which I kind of believe right now is that maybe J-Rob talked to his own agent, who is also Vic Beasley's agent. I feel like that might be the extent of the communication. I know J-Rob released that statement that said they have been in contact with him, but... That could be indirect contact. We don't really know what that means. I'm not sure. I mean, we've, we're seeing these social media posts of him having trucks delivered to wherever he is, uh, Georgia or somewhere still. So I'm not really understanding what's going on with Vic Beasley. Again, I don't want to judge, but either that somebody should have put out something to communicate this was going to happen. And maybe that that's what leads me to believe that this falls ultimately on Vic Beasley because his agent who's looking out for his player's best interest, isn't going to let this media nightmare unfold without a prepared some kind of response. The Titans, same thing. And since both sides were kind of just, I mean, we haven't heard anything from Vic Beasley's camp, and we've only heard limited stuff from John Robinson with that one statement, and Mike Vrabel at his press conference on Tuesday said he hasn't talked to Vic Beasley at all uh, since the end of the off-season programs, the virtual meetings on Zoom. So who knows what's going on with the guy, but that... That leads me to believe that he hasn't communicated really any anything with anyone, at least to the extent of who knows when he's going to show up, who knows where he is or why he hasn't shown up yet, what his commitment level is to playing this season. Again, he could have opted out, but he didn't. And maybe he knows he can still get up to $3 million in that signing bonus just by not doing anything. But what that, what that really tells me is the Titans need to go make it happen with Clowney, who may wait until Labor Day weekend to pick his team. If we look back at last year, when Clowney was holding out with the Texans, he held out until Labor Day weekend, and they traded him the weekend before football season kicked off, and he went up to uh, to Seattle and played actually a heck of a game week one against Cincinnati. So who knows? Maybe that's his plan this year. Maybe he likes, you know, skipping training camp and getting right on in right before, right before the season kicks off. So that might be his kind of his M.O., We'll see what happens. Anyway, let's get to the interview now. Sorry for that, but I had to update you guys on these new happenings. Here we go, though. All right, now we are excited to welcome onto the podcast today Kareem Horsley, the co-owner of the professional esports organization Rise, which uh, you co-founded with Titans left guard Roger Saffold, right? Thank you for joining us today, Kareem, and how's it going? Uh, it's pretty good. I had a long day. Um, can't wait to talk to me sports with you guys. Yeah, man. We appreciate you for joining us today. Uh, on that topic, we're, we're going to get right into it. Um, first off, how, how did Roger and yourself come together to create Rise? Um, we 
I was going to high school in Bloomington, Indiana at the time. He was at IU. Uh, I was one of the cooler guys in high school, so I would hang out in the college scene. So uh, we connected that way. And we've just been like brothers um, ever since, really. Um, as far as Rise coming into fruition from that relationship, we, I think that was about three years into him being in the NFL, two or three years into him being in the NFL. Uh, I was deciding whether I wanted to play professional overseas in basketball or just go straight into this esports thing because I was already a professional Call of Duty player at the time while playing basketball. Wow. I was doing a lot. Um, so, yeah, we ended up doing the esports thing that way. I, I told him I don't want to go overseas, and he said, okay, let's start this. <laughs> that was back in 2014? Yes, twenty end of 2013, beginning of 2014, yeah. Gotcha. That's amazing. So, so it's kind of something you, you knew you wanted to do this for, for quite a while now. <sighs> my first love is basketball. Like, it always will be. Um, but my second love is gaming and competing in gaming. So it was it was always a plan if I couldn't get – to my first love on a straighter route than, you know, going 20 plus hours away. Oh. Yeah. And it's crazy over the last like six years or so since you guys started Rise, esports have really blown up. Did you guys see this popularity coming when back then? Or I mean, it's an ever changing industry, but was it more something you just wanted to do or did you see this potential, this potential explosion coming? I personally did because I was involved in the professional scene and each year more money got thrown into it. Um, more organizations got behind it and started backing people, backing teams of uh, young kids, uh, some grown men. Um, it, it just looked like it was trending in the right direction. Uh, and here we are in an electronic world in 2020, as crazy yeah. as the world may be now. Right. And, I'm just wondering if uh, if this is something you guys or you personally, I guess, really always wanted to do. And I'm assuming you grew up playing video games. Is that something you and Roger did together, played video games growing up or anything like that? We would literally, he would get done with practice. If there was any new games out, we'd go to Blockbuster, go get it, <laughs> play it split screen, beat it in the night, return it. It, it we, we used to game game like that. If he wasn't playing football, we were gaming. I'll just put it like that. Shout out to Blockbuster, man. <laughs> I man. miss Blockbuster. They used to be clutch. Yeah, I remember renting uh, one of the first Star Wars games where you could actually control a lightsaber when I was like sick one weekend and spending the whole weekend beating it and returning it back to Blockbuster at the end of the weekend. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, we're, we're probably all around the same age. And to me, obviously, you know, living in 2020, uh, the world, as you said, you know, technology-wise, it's so crazy. It's so convenient. You know, no one can really complain. But it's hard to make those same memories, man. Going to Blockbuster on a Friday night, you know, scoping through the scene of what they had, what was in, and, and renting it and, and just enjoying the weekend. Whether that was a movie, a game, it's like, it's just, we don't appreciate things the same way like we used to, in my opinion. Yeah. No, we don't. No, we do not. And it's, it's funny talking to some of the kids on our, our uh, esports rosters. They, they don't have a great sense for how easy they have it now as well. They get to sit. I'm telling you, they're 15, 16, 17, sitting in, at home making sometimes doctor money. Kind of crazy. Wow. Kind of pisses me off. I miss the boat. I'm a big <laughs> video games. Why can't I? You know what I mean? Well, I, I played video games growing up. Why couldn't this happen back then? <laughs> <laughs> right. Timing is everything, man. 
Yeah, no kidding. Tell me about it, man. I don't want to get too off course, but it's funny you say that because the conversation I had with a, with a friend of mine the other day, it's like, I remember growing up, even being into music, like nowadays with Apple Music and Spotify, like, you know, five albums drop at midnight, you listen to one once and then you move on. I remember being in like grade nine and, you know, your favorite artist would drop a CD and, you know, you'd wait all day to finish school. At least I did. And I'd go to the, you know, the, the, the CD store, not the record store. I'm not, we're not that old, but the CD <laughs> store and, and, and cop that new album and get home and be so excited to rip the packaging open and listen right. to it for the first time with no distractions. You're not on your cell phone. You're not on Twitter. You're not texting. You just actually take the product in beginning to end. I, I had the same thing with video games, ripping the plastic yeah. off of a new yeah. video game. Do kids even do that? No, no, no. no. <laughs> if they do, they're ordering it from Amazon and getting it for like memorabilia purchase uh, purposes. That's it. Everything's digital. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. So, so, so two-part question. When you and Roger um, started playing video games together and you would clear a game in a night, like you said, what was like your favorite at the time? What was your go-to that you and Roger maybe always revisited? We played every single Gears of War game when it came out. Night of midnight release. Uh, we'd go wait in line at GameStop, wait for it. it they'd be crazy long lines for that game when uh, Gears was really popular. Um, right. Run through the campaign, rip some energy drinks, power through, <laughs> and, <laughs> and we, we'd be done. Yeah. And what about today? Do you guys have a go-to today that you still enjoy playing together? Um, when we game now, we we plot we most of the time get on to Call of Duty, play a lot of Warzone together, the Battle Royale, because it's kind of a that's a, the easiest game to play with your friends. It's kind of you hop drop into a server with a hundred people, you either live or you die, rinse and repeat. Yeah. yeah. And do you guys get super competitive with one another, or? I just can't. He, he can't compete. Well, he, he, when it comes to game, he can't compete with me. He knows that. <laughs> he can, he can, he's good. He's not bad. I'm just different. You're the pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does he, does he ever lose and ask you to line up across from him on the football field so he can get even? <laughs> nah, he just used to beat me up when we were younger. You know, so that's, that, I'm getting my payback now. <laughs> that's funny. Um, that's funny. Like uh, Kenny Vaccaro's safety on the Titans is pretty big into Warzone nowadays too. Do you do you ever play with him? No, we have not crossed paths. He's with another organization. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, so God, we got some beef rivalry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Roger Roger's got to talk to him at camp this year and get him on the on rise. Yeah, he's on the wrong side. I don't I don't get it. I mean, he has a teammates. Come on, come to the come to the good side, man. Yeah. I, I hope Kenny's listening to this. You hear that, Kenny? You got to join Rise. <laughs> Um, I kind of, I don't know if we touched on this Gears of War, but what was the actually going way back? What was the first video game that you remember playing? Man, that's a good question. Um, probably a Nintendo 007 GoldenEye. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> probably that. that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was the game. That was it. the game. That at all game, times that game was epic i love that game. i i found that game i was home for about a month like for most of july back in texas and i found it in an old box and i couldn't find an n64 anywhere but i found oh. goldeneye and i was like this is a treasure <laughs> should have hit up amazon i they got everything though no kidding <laughs> i like 
I, I remember hopping, like, I, I had every system, I think, growing up at one point or another. Like, they're bringing the Dreamcast back. I remember, that. like, I, I thought Dreamcast was pretty dope at the time. What? Are they not bringing Dreamcast back? I, I didn't know that. You just gave me some new news. I think I read that somewhere. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly Google it because... That would be amazing. I was um, never a Dreamcast guy, I got to say. <laughs> well, it's good that you weren't because Dreamcast would break religiously. <laughs> Worse than any other console I've ever had. I always had to replace my Dreamcast after a few months. But the games were so amazing for it. Yeah, man. I think I'm I'm reading something right now. I'm pretty sure they've they've been teasing it and they've pretty much all but confirmed um that Dreamcast 2 is going to happen. Wow. Okay. I'm all over that. Hopefully it works yeah. right this time. <laughs> Actually, look, as of May 28th, uh, hints of a major announcement from Sega next week have people convinced that Dreamcast 2 is real. May May twenty eighth, yeah. So a couple months ago. So nothing's <laughs> happened since then. No traction. Dream, man, I, uh, <laughs> they, yeah, like it's it's been it's been heavily mm. heavily rumored though for a long time. Okay, we'll have to track that. <laughs> uh, I want to move the conversation a little bit to what's happening today with Rise and um, maybe something that happened recently. You guys just hosted a $50,000 charity Call of Duty Warzone event with proceeds going to the Equal Justice Initiative. Is that right? We, yeah, we ran that. Um, was it June? I think it was like June 28th. We ran that when we relaunched. Can you tell us a little bit about everything behind that event and, and maybe some of the whys that, into why you planned something like that? Okay, so when it went into planning that, it's, it was the right climate to do the Equal Justice you know, initiative, no perfect climate. And, and, you know, me and Raj know all about that, obviously, given our ethnicities. Um, but the Call of Duty side of things, when we relaunched into a Call of Duty tournament, we were birthed as a Call of Duty team. So we thought, you know, what better to come back out to the world launching a $50,000 Warzone event for, you know, celebrities and uh, pro gamers to play in, you know, for the viewer experience at home. Um, it went great. We had some huge names in it, like uh, T Grizzly. Um, was MMA fighter blessed him? I can't remember. I, I remember his Twitter. It's blessed MMA, and he just fought this last weekend. <laughs> and he's a former champion. What's wrong with me? Either way, we I have got some the huge list names. here. Actually, hold on, Gra Graver, you sent it to me earlier. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at Myers Leonard, Justin Jackson, a couple NBA players, rapper T Grizzly, who you mentioned, and some retired Call of Duty pros. Um, yep. TP Karma Blaze Aiden. Yeah, we had some huge names across the esports space and, you know, sports space just to try and combine both worlds. We continuously try to blend those two worlds together because they're so similar um, as far as the competition aspect. And most of the time when, when guys, when athletes get on and play with pro gamers, they're like, oh, damn, we're more, we're, we're kind of like in, in a way. So we're just trying to bridge the two, the, the two worlds together. I'm curious what, what happened with um, with Rise is you, you mentioned you guys started off as a Call of Duty team. How did you get away from that? And what what were you, what have you been focusing on? What are your biggest games over the last few years if they haven't been Call of Duty? Um, well, the Call of Duty situation, we won six major championships in that, which is amazing. Damn. So MJ numbers. Yeah, <laughs> it sucked for us to fade out of that scene, but. I'll just be real blunt here. Financially, it would have been very 
irresponsible to continue on in that space, given the way they were running things at the time. Um, and we knew it was going to be the year we hopped out. They had another year of endemic orgs running the teams, but we knew after that year, because it was rumored for a long time, and you know, we hear things. There was a franchise league coming with teams that were going to pay upwards of, you know, 20 mil. I, I can't get to the real numbers, but it was that much for spots to be in a franchise league. Um, so at the time we, we decided to, you know, bring it in and try and go out and search for investors for one of those spots. We, we struck out, we had some conversations, uh, struck out the first time, but now we've gained a lot of traction on that. And we are planning on getting into the league now as one of the expansion teams. So that is that on the call of duty sides, we were also in counter-strike, uh, as a top Mountain Dew League team, that was a professional team. Um, we've been in Overwatch before they franchised. Uh, Gears of War, we have one of the top teams in the world today. We just had a major this weekend, $250,000 event, placed third. We, in, in our, to our standards with that roster, that was kind of underperforming. So we've had some pretty talented people. We've also had Street Fighter legends on our on our roster we still do we took home a capcom cup um our first year in street fighter which is a major accomplishment that's a another two hundred fifty thousand dollar event that we won with our first year being in that space so we take pride in our recruiting ability as far as being able to win and spot talent um across all esports and i kind of i love how you know people or or athletes in general are, are getting more confident to do stuff outside of their job, so to speak, right? Like seeing guys like, you know, Roger, um, you know, do something like this, seeing guys like Kenny Vaccaro, seeing Dallas Mavericks forward Justin Jackson compete in the, in the Equal Justice Initiative um, charity event that you guys had. Like it's just, I think it's so cool and, and right that, you know, these guys are getting more comfortable operating in a different space than what we're used to seeing them in. For sure. Because they're not just athletes, right? They're people. And they're, you know, and that, that unfortunately, as obvious as that is, it sometimes gets lost on people, right? And, and, and they're, you know, it's great that they have these things outside of, um, you know, their nine to five, so to speak, that they can go and enjoy themselves with. Couldn't agree more. Just uh, one last question for you here. Curious what you would tell to a group of people who maybe are big sports fans but haven't really given esports a chance yet that might attract some people into that space. Got a real easy one right now. There's not a lot on TV. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, what they can't cancel is at-home activities and that being broadcasted to the world. So we're still having our events. We're still competing. Um, These these prize pools, kids compete for million dollar prize pools man you know that competition level is going to be super high and 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 just from a personal standpoint it's like baseball is really boring to me right during the regular season but when it gets to playoff time and they're competing for that you know that championship it it just whether i like the sport or not it's just so fun to watch because it's everyone competing at their highest level so i would you know put that parallel to gaming it's the same thing kids competing at the highest level um, you got games like NBA 2K. You can kind of understand that it's basketball. It's just a video game version of it. It's a lot easier to understand. You got guys, you got guys yelling back at each other, but you can hear them talking, uh, unlike on the court in real life, because they don't have, you don't want to hear what they're saying on the court in real life. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's I, I just think it's, it's cool to 
watch people compete at a very high level. And there are some games that are easier to understand than others. Um, so I would say pick the right esport if you're a beginner um, into coming into watching esports. And I would say pick like a, an NBA 2K or a Call of Duty. Those are very easy games to understand. Even a Gears of War, those are very easy games to understand. Yeah, makes sense. I love that, man. Look, Reem, we're going to pretty much end it on that note. But in closing, um, what's next for Rise? Um, we are announcing a new team and a new scene this week. Uh, I can't wait. I've been, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to get in this one. It's, it's, it's probably the biggest game talked about right now in the esports space. So I can't wait to launch that. Um, again, we're going to be hammering down trying to get into this call of duty league even maybe the nba 2k league in the future uh we just have a lot of things we're doing launching more merch um and you guys will see roger rocking some of that merch walking into these uh titans games uh mm -hmm. this year hopefully so yeah nice we'll, we'll bump that on social media when we see it uh, happening <laughs> <laughs> cool 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 we love that. Look, Kareem, uh, we've really appreciated your time. You guys can go follow Kareem on Twitter at Kareem underscore Horsley. That's K-A-H-R-E-E-M underscore H-O-R-S-L-E-Y. And follow Rise at The Rise Nation on Twitter and at Official Rise Nation on Instagram. Thanks so much, Kareem. Thank you, guys. All right, well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Music City Audible. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And if you wouldn't mind finding this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and hitting that subscribe button, we're trying to grow the show, trying to find new listeners. Tell a friend about us if you like us. And tell a friend about broadwaysportsmedia.com, where you can find all of my writing, a lot of Justin's writing, all the videos, Tape with a Titan, this podcast, lots of other podcasts like Coach's Corner, Home Run Throwback, F-Words Pod, The Flex, a fantasy football podcast, and of course, Second and Victory. We got lots of shows on that. Over there, we got every all your coverage that you'll need in the Nashville market from the Titans to the Nashville SC to the Predators playoff run right now, which hopefully is still going by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, anyway, that'll do it for our episode, as I mentioned today. You can follow Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. All of our podcast episodes are tweeted out by our podcast Twitter account at MCA Broadway. And of course, you can follow Broadway Sports for all of our articles, videos, podcasts all the content you could ever want for the nashville sports scene at broadway tn all right that'll do it broadwaysportsmedia.com thank you everybody for tuning in we'll be back next week any last words you look you look preoccupied so i'm just gonna stop recording good night everyone a broadway sports media production